Hello, and welcome to the Teen Talks podcast, the podcast where I, Yashvardhan Katan, bring on high school students and discuss with them the impacts that COVID-19 has had on their social, academic, and personal life. As you already know, COVID-19 was declared a national pandemic by the World Health Organization on March 11, 2020, forcing schools to close for the rest of the semester and sending millions of students to pursue their education at home through online classes. Sit back and relax while in this episode I talk to Mr. Arun Goyal. Vice Mayor of California's fastest-growing city, Dublin, California. I want to thank you so much, Mr. Vice Mayor, for joining me on this episode of the Teen Talks podcast. It's definitely an honor to be talking to you. And as a resident of Dublin, I want to thank you so much for your service. But at the same time, I'm curious about what was your source of inspiration that made you run for office? To be honest with you, um, I had never considered running for office. Um, It was kind of sort of a natural calling. Um, Wow. An engineer, I was on the planning commission and the community kind of liked what I was doing and standing for. And so Mm -hmm. back in 2016, uh, they approached me and it took me some time to consider it because, you know, like I said, I wasn't ready to pursue a political career or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. And um, listening to them and their desires and how it uh, matched me, I said, why not? Let's give it a shot. Let's stand up and be part of the normal people uh, kind of situation and become their voice. Um, if they want me to become their voice, they'll elect me. If not, mm-hmm. uh, move on, on to my own uh, aspirations. So that's really what got me there. Uh, but since then, and we'll most probably talk about it during your podcast of the things I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, kind of like talking about that, um, my, one of my questions I have is, you know, how has COVID-19, you know, affected or hindered your responsibilities as vice mayor, you know, for just one of the fastest growing cities in California? Sure. And, you know, I mean, COVID-19 has definitely had its set of impacts. I mean, we're not able to engage with the community. We're not able to go out and be with stores that are opening. Mm-hmm. Um, that's maybe the biggest impact along with just trying to educate the public. Um, you know, back in March, there wasn't a lot of known stuff and a lot of things were being kind of guided to us. And as we're starting to learn a little bit more as the community is uh, becoming more engaged in the process, um, different things are happening further on. Uh, some of the community tended to get uh, a little anxious opening because we don't know how long this is going to last. So we needed to find that even balance of how to keep the community safe, but while mm-hmm. trying to keep businesses open. So how's this like really, you know, created pressure on you, you know, as the vice mayor? Do you feel like, you know, it's something that you always have to like think about and take into account? I think um, really as a vice mayor, a mayor or a council member, um, one thing we mm-hmm. do, is we have the best of all intents for our community and our city. And so it's really about, uh, yeah, it's a new objective. It's a mm-hmm. long-lasting objective, but it is something that, you know, in our role, um, we have to take care of. Uh, we're here to protect our community and keep them safe. Interesting, interesting. And, um, you know, just talking about uh, keeping people safe, I feel like there was very like little things known to a lot of people. And so, 
we need like a lot of people like you to really educate others and create that awareness of COVID-19 because, you know, it's not like everyone is always reading the news or they are understanding, you know, what can cause COVID-19 or the symptoms. They're kind of like, like uh, just thinking about, okay, so COVID-19 is there now, what's next? And I think um, I'm pretty sure that's like where you come in, where now your objective is like to um, educate people essentially, if I'm uh, correct. Absolutely. I mean, education is one component. I mean, there's going to be people on both sides of the coin, some that want to follow it, some that are maybe opposed to some of the choices and decisions we're making. Ultimately, what's happening is we're following the county health order. And we're trying Mm -hmm. to do something a little differently um, through waivers and things of that nature, but the county has not uh, accepted that as of yet. Ultimately, um, transparency and providing information, uh, providing guidance, providing direction, being a resource for the community are all key important things that we we try to do. And we're gonna do it to the best of our knowledge. And we're gonna try to get information to help guide the public, the community and the businesses in the right direction. And you know what? The last thing we wanna do at the end of the day is have somebody get sick and ill and eventually pass away. That's the ultimate thing that we face and we want to keep that under control. Definitely. And it's all up to, you know, people like you to educate them and uh, just to spread awareness essentially for COVID-19. Correct. So then uh, kind of like transitioning, you know, to students, I know that during this time students are, they're in like this limbo and they're um, in this like phase where they're not sure what to do because they have time at home and you know, now that their education system has turned into an online source, it's like, you know, they, they're not sure what to do next. And so my next question is, you know, what are your thoughts about the uncertainty among students regarding, you know, standardized testing, college um, admissions? and It is an unfortunate reality, right? Uh, although, you know, with the school board of trustees um, and us here at the city, we're trying to do everything we can to kind of keep students uh, engaged and active. We have after school programs that we're allowing in small pods, especially for essential workers, um, and different overall recreational activities that are allowed outdoors. You know, the mental well-being of um, our community is paramount, right? Um, Mm -hmm. As isolated and they're not able to socialize, that's when trauma kicks in. So, you know, get things from that nature. um, and, And, you know, when you're looking at volunteering opportunities and those are engagement, returning things back to your community, utilizing uh, available time, there's a lot of opportunities out there. And I think sometimes people don't know where to go. So people like myself are become a point of contact for whether it be high schoolers, whether it be younger youth just wanting to volunteer, whether it be uh, adults for that Mm -hmm. matter. And a lot of times, what I try to do is match up the satisfaction element that an individual is trying to achieve. So if they're trying to appease to seniors and help them out, even being a phone call buddy, um, that's mm-hmm. something I help arrange. If it's helping them getting food, um, I help arrange that. Um, but then there's people who want to go more along the lines of maybe their career aspirations or their knowledge base. So what I've done this year um, for my team is I've opened up an internship program or a volunteer program. Uh, One of them very specifically is the policy and legislative team. 
where we study and debate about the different policies and things like that. And the team gets uh, intern hours for that. Uh, so away with a good experience. It's about turning what most would anticipate as a negative into a positive and mm -hmm. become a uh, community advocate and participant. Interesting. So what you want to achieve out of that is, you know, you want to just provide volunteering opportunities to students in need. That's correct. So, you know, I mean, a lot of people want to get those intern hours. Uh, some of them want to get in there for knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. However, fit you know i mean that's with my team but you know if somebody else has a different kind of aspiration like they want to help other youth uh, they want to help uh, bring funding or they want to do other kind of uh, recreational engagement activities mm -hmm. i will find the nonprofit to match up with that and oh, i think wow. that yeah so it's not like uh, you have to come to me and be with me no it's if you want to do something and you can't find the resource, let's work together and find that. I had a youth approach me. He started a coding club and he says, hey, you know what? I want my coding club to be focused on uh, underserved communities and we want to offer it for free. I said, great. Let's go to the following locations. And we did that. Um, similar, there was another organization. Uh, that was focused on uh, COVID-19 uh, protection. And we talked that through starting March and they've become a very well-recognized organization spanning throughout the United States. But that started here in Dublin and I was a critical advisor for them in their initial formative states. So I think youth nowadays are getting more at, uh, well-versed in understanding that the only barrier is their own innovation. And that's a, a very interesting point that you bring up. I feel like there's like the saying going on that like, you know, the youth is like the next generation, right? They're the people who will be, you know, or the students who are gonna be making the most change. And we can see that through like a lot of um, people and like how you mentioned like a successful nonprofit, which was started by um, a student. So I think there's a lot of room for, you know, just students to, basically make themselves big, but also at the same time help so many people around the world. I totally agree. I mean, that's why like even um, my campaign this year is basically run by the next generation, uh, which is youth. Um, so it's pretty much their campaign. I'm for them. And, you know, every recommendation that they make that's well thought out, um, I implement. You know, and I think that that's the way to give youth a platform on really making a change, seeing a difference, and becoming more informed. Interesting. And um, I'm glad that you bring up about your campaign. And this was actually going to be my next question. And I know that you're running for Dublin mayor this year. And, you know, as part of your um, campaign, um, you also just released a promotional video. So how has COVID-19, you know, affected your overall campaigning for um, being the mayor of Dublin? It's had a significant impact, um, you know, business as was or campaigns as was back in prior mm -hmm. to COVID, we would go door to door, we would knock, we would engage, we would get to know the community and the community would get to know us. Um, that's not the case. So we're having to do everything in a very challenged way. Um, so we've changed our methodology, just like the rest of the world has changed its approach. Uh, campaigns have changed its approach, at least ours has. 
And so we're trying to minimize uh, individual interaction, but we're trying to allow digital individual interaction. So we've uh, basically gone more online, um, kind of like how we're doing this podcast today. Um, <laughs> everyone has the opportunity to engage with me. They can call me, they can email me, they can do a Zoom with me. We can host a virtual house party. There's so many things that oh, wow. have now become a transformation due to COVID-19. So I'm good. Um, but, you know, there's always that piece of the feel-good nature of being able to actually interact with someone in person. Mm -hmm. And kind of like putting my perspective out there, I feel like um, there is like, at first, you know, I thought this was like kind of like cool, you know, like just doing all my Zoom classes online and just, you know, overall interaction uh, interaction online but then you know I, as a as time passed by i realized that you know that interaction that i had with my friends or with teachers or just with anybody was so vital to my life and now it's just you know turned against me in a way where now i'm just online behind a computer screen you know waking up early in the morning doing my classes and then you know just sitting behind a screen and not being able to go outside well and what i would say to that is Think of it this way. All of us are getting an opportunity to pause and reflect and place values Definitely. on what's going to become the importance as we come out of COVID-19. I can guarantee you uh, family interactions are going to be different. Friend mm -hmm. interactions will be different. Um, you know, we used to be going everywhere all the time. And now I'm starting to find out, well, what was the value of some of that? Was it just for socialization interaction or were there true bonds and friendships being established? And I think that's what's gonna end up happening is everyone's gonna come out with a different value perspective. Take a look at jobs. Um, people now know that they work from home. So they're gonna look for a work-life balance where they can really create that foundation for their family and what it means and the values that that has. I mean, if you think about it in your own family, you must mm -hmm. probably see mom and your dad a lot more than you ever have before. Definitely, and yeah. Engage more with them. And so that's a very positive thing that a lot of people don't realize happened. Interesting. And uh, what you said is definitely correct. I'm, I've also felt like, you know, my overall interaction you know, with my family has gone up and with my brother and, you know, it, it was nowadays what's happening. It's like, you know, every Friday we're going to, we have like something called a game night where, you know, we play, you know, cards and, or we watch a movie and stuff like that. And I feel like, you know, before that or before COVID-19, that wasn't really something we would do. It's like, you know, sometimes my, my dad or something, my mom would be like, you know, let's just watch a movie. And I'd be like, okay, but that wasn't a re recurring thing. And now because of COVID-19, it's come to the point where, you know, we kind of need each other. We have like that bond where in order to like, just go through this tough situation, we have to be together and spend time together. And um, that's the connection I want to make to what you were saying. And, you know, I think it's also teaching us life is delicate and it's making us realize the uncertainty of tomorrow. Um, mm -hmm. You know, think about the fact that y your family, you wouldn't have a repetitive element, right? And yeah. you acting as much. But when you look at it now, those interactions have become so valuable because tomorrow we don't know what's going to be out there. 
you know, we don't know, okay, I could be walking down the street and I get COVID-19 and I go from a healthy to a not so healthy person in a matter of days. Um, and so I think a lot of the perspectives of people have changed as a result. Those who understand it, those whose families have been affected by it. Our family is affected by it, um, not here locally in Dublin, but I know mm -hmm. a couple of families that have had relatives that are now here that were previously positive. And oh, when wow. they share their stories, it's an eye opener. It makes you really wonder and think. And it makes you place a value on the, every moment you have. It's very different than even another type of disease like a cancer or something. This is very different. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 is something that, you know, it'll be, part, it'll be a part of everyone's life. You know, they'll be looking back at this moment thinking about, you know, maybe I had COVID-19 and now I don't. But it's like that whole idea of it being carved in your brain and just it'll stick with you for the rest of your life. Well, and there, there's a, a miss fact that a lot of people don't realize. Just because you get COVID-19 and you test positive once, it doesn't mean you can't get it again. And there are people getting it multiple times. And so I think that that's kind of sort of the information that, you know, as we educate people, we're trying to make sure they understand, hey, just because you walk in got it once, it doesn't mean you're immune. And you could actually be passing it on to others as well. Definitely. And kind of uh, transitioning, you know, the topic to like the students, you know, just subject to students. Um, what can you say about, you know, teens' mental health amid COVID-19 with so many things going on, such as rising COVID cases around them and like pursuing their education through online classes? I know I shared my, you know, perspective towards like what I was feeling, but like, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I think all, all children are going to be impacted. Mm -hmm. And I think the importance there about mental well-being is those that are their loved ones should be monitoring a situation every time and looking for signs of depression, anxiety, or mental stress. Uh, because there are resources out there uh, to help the individuals. And a lot of times, especially before COVID-19, we would be in denial. Family members would be in denial. Um, you know, I've, I've started up an organization uh, back in 2015-ish as a result of a, a child who lost his life or took his life for that matter. And I'm affiliated with a lot of different organizations that are just there for putting out information to make sure the mental well-being, the satisfaction, the anxiety levels are being handled. You know, when you go online and take a class, your interaction with your teacher is not the same. And their ability to support you is not the same, right? You, you haven't had the opportunity to bond and build that relationship or have that confidence and say, hey, you know, best buddy, can you help me out with this problem? I don't understand it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and relationships are definitely being impacted. Yeah, definitely. And talking about relationships, it's like, um, so I actually have like some relatives in India and um, I've just felt like, you know, before, although like, you know, we wouldn't really talk, it's like COVID-19 has given me a chance to just, you know, touch up on my relationships and just like talk to them, my, uh, you know, my grandma and my grandpa and, you know, just to always check on them because, you know, like how you mentioned before, you know, anything can happen. 
somebody could, somebody could get COVID-19. And so um, just agreeing with you about relationships, I feel like relationships is a very important topic during this time. Absolutely. So um, I wanted to talk about um, and backtrack a little bit about uh, your, you know, your vice president persona. So, uh, so how did you come about running for Dublin mayor this year? And like, what helped you make the decision that you want to be mayor? I know that you talked about um, be, uh, your decision for vice mayor, but, you know, what made you run for mayor? Well, I think a lot of it goes actually back to 2018 when I ran for mayor then. Um, and I ran against the current mayor who was an incumbent and served within the city for over 18 years in elected capacity. For me in 2018, it was more about a professional challenge to give the voters a choice on how it saw the path forward working. And we did fairly well. We garnered 41%. Um, the mayor is termed out and he's running for county supervisor. So that left an opportunity. Um, and one that, again, the community reached out to me and says, and they are basically, Arun, now's your time. And they oh, wow. kept presenting to me uh, reasons why I should run. And to be honest with you, COVID-19 actually created an impact on my ability to make a choice and a decision. Um, one, I didn't want to make a choice too early because there was so much uncertainty, even on the impacts on my own personal life. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas a question mark, about what's with the community, how are they gonna react and respond? And then ultimately the timelines never changed, so we had to move forward. And at that point, again, the community is like, hey, you gotta do this. You ran in 2018, you need to run again in 2020. So many people believed in the way you carry out your message and how you act on the diets. And oh, wow. that my family and I had to take uh, into deep consideration because in any office that we take, this is in addition to my full-time job, okay? You know, a lot of people don't realize that being a mayor of this city only brings you 1,400 or so bucks a month, okay? And so that's not going to afford our lifestyles here in the city of Dublin. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, sacrifices and commitments that we have to make as taking those roles. So each one of us uh, in elected capacity make those sacrifices, but being a mayor is a little bit more, right? Because you become the face of the city. Yeah, definitely. And once I was able to dialogue with my family, my wife, everybody came on and supported me and said, you know what? If the community wants it, maybe it's a calling. If the community really wants it, they'll elect you. And if not, you move on. And so... This coming December is a choice for the public to make. Um, some of us running for uh, mayor uh, will go home from Dublin politics, at least for the next two years. Interesting. And, uh, you know, just uh, thinking about it, I totally understand how many sacrifices that you have to make because, you know, being, if you do get elected as mayor, it's like there's so many things that you have to do and there's so many objectives, so many duties, so many things that you just have to address in everyday life and you know it can create a lot of pressure on you and you know that's what's uh, being the mayor and plus you're good it's like you're gonna you're the head of like the, a big city and that to dublin being like the fastest growing city in california you do have a little bit of that uh, pressure to keep uh, to live up to that expectation of you know just making sure dublin is a better place 
That's right. And, you know, I mean, that's a lot of my vision and as being mayor, and that's what I put it out there to the public, is saying, how do I see the city of Dublin becoming even better and even more desirable? And one of the things that you start to look at, just like we do as our families with COVID-19, is local first. Um, some of the things that I think, as each one of us reflect, we put a value system in place. And so that's where I've put my values at for this campaign and my actions that have actually gone in parallel with it. Um, you know, I've gotten very aggressive on some of the things that mean a lot to us. You know, like today you're saying, hey, I can't go out and enjoy the air. Well, mm -hmm. one of the things that I took an action of being one of the first elected officials in the Bay Area is supporting the Green New Deal and the Alameda Economic Recovery Act. Um, and I encourage everyone to understand that it's not about all green. It's about a holistic approach with a long-term solution for the city of Dublin, the Bay Area, and the state. And, you know, being part of that is actually shown me the way what we're all starting to say. When I say localized economy, think about bringing jobs closer to home. Uh, think about working from home. Think about providing affordable housing for those that work in the retail centers or even your teachers. Um, think about the seniors who are aging in our population that love the way Dublin has become. They want to stay here. They don't want to go away. And we have to give them the opportunity of choice. And so with that, you know, you kind of look at, you say, okay, with all of that going on, if I bring jobs closer to home, people aren't driving as much and I provide transportation alternatives, essentially I'm improving our air quality. Yeah, and like at the same time, you're improving commute, you're better public transportation because there's less people now and they're also closer. And so there's like a lot of um, things that get impacted in a positive way. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, I think at some future point, if you want to dialogue about um, all these initiatives that I'm helping push and things that I'm uh, joining up with different coalitions throughout the state to really talk to about our housing development and how to challenge some of the issues that we're facing up with the state. Um, and just having an overall long-term vision, I'm happy to do that. Um, and, and just participating and sharing information for the community. That's what I like yeah. to do. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good topic also to, uh, to talk about because, you know, like how you've said before, there's a lot of things that we need to educate the people about and that's the only way people will, you know, understand about what's happening in Dublin and how to make the place better. Correct. And, you know, at, at that time when you decide to want to have those conversations, I'm happy to even bring other guest speakers uh, because that's what we like to do, inform and educate. Um, an educated community makes the right choices and the right decisions that supports our future generation. Definitely. And if anybody wants to go into public service, any student listeners of this podcast, what path should they take? What advice do you have for them? Well, I mean, you can always go down a traditional pathway of going into policy science or getting activated in different ways. One I would always say is, volunteer, 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 get internships, understand and be engaged in the process prior to making that decision. Once you do that, 
it's about the correct resources and making sure they line up with your long-term vision and career objective. From there, you make a plan with your mentor. Um, I like to be a mentor to a lot of people. Uh, that's the way I am even with my subordinates at work or my colleagues at work is I provide them career path guidance uh, relative to the professions that they're planning on pursuing if I have an expertise. Um, and so I would just say, if you wanted to get involved into politics, read all of the information that comes your way, ask questions, get involved, get engaged, volunteer, become an intern, and you will see the path define it for yourself. That's really good advice. And, you know, leaving off that note, if students want to contact you regarding anything ranging from mental health to COVID-19 to volunteering opportunities, where can they do that? Sure. For, I would just say you can always go email me at agoel, A-G-O-E-L, at arungoel, A-R-U-N-G-O-E-L dot net. Or you can find me just by Googling Arun Goel Dublin. And I'm pretty much on every platform from Instagram to Twitter to Facebook. Um, you can even visit my website, www.arunformayor.com. And I'm happy to have any conversation with anybody that has any questions and just wants to have feedback. Sounds good. And with that being said, I want to thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to talk to you, Mr. Vice Mayor, and for you to be a guest on the Teen Talks podcast. Thank you. It was a pleasure and honor to be on this. And I look forward to your success in helping other youths like you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Teen Talks podcast. If you really enjoyed that episode and want to get the latest episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on all podcast listening platforms. Be sure to check out our website at theteentalkspodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at Teen Talks Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.